Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane. So shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Rock, rock, rock. Hey, 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 it is 10 a.m. in the East on Thursday. That means it's time for a few good men on the Big Ten. Welcome to the Chris Landry Football Channel on Twitch. I'm Bruce Hooley. Glad to have you with us. Here's my partner, Andy Andrews. Morning, Andy. Morning, Bruce. How's it going? It's going great. We uh, have a significant date in uh, what we hope is a run-up to a Big Ten football season coming up this weekend. We've got a lot to talk about. We've got our You Can't Handle the Truth segment. So let's get right into it. Uh, We want to, first of all, remind you that you guys can... uh, Join us and help us spread the word uh, on the Chris Landry Football Twitch channel at twitch.tv uh, backslash Chris Landry Football. Twitch.tv backslash Chris Landry Football. And you can listen to this podcast on your mobile device by signing up for Landry Football's conference call wherever you get your podcast. You can catch the football uh, in every league Big 12, SEC. Big Ten. Podcasts for everybody. You better believe it, buddy, at LandryFootball.com. So. Let's get started. Cue the band from the 1920s, Andy. They're ready to take a rest. They're ready to take a nap, our 1920s band. Tell us what's going on in the Big Ten this week. Friday's a significant date. Why is Friday a significant date? Start of walkthroughs for teams getting uh, out on the field, getting some reps in. Uh, Last few weeks, NCAA guidelines have suggested voluntary workouts. That's what teams have been doing. And Mm -hmm. now, Friday, per the recommendations of the NCAA, teams will be starting there and their walkthroughs, uh, not necessarily a big step towards the league getting back from coronavirus because uh, teams are still kind of in their own bubbles. They're not playing with other teams yet. But um, the next step in preparation for the season, mm-hmm. that hopefully still occurs. All right, Ohio State Athletic Director Gene Smith uh, appeared on the flagship uh, station of the uh, Buckeye Football Radio Network on Wednesday. Um said they still don't have a schedule. They're meeting, they're talking. It's odd. We're in July, we're meeting for practice. We were talking about the impact of the Ohio State-Penn State game on the conference standings, particularly in the Big Ten East the other day. And I thought, just in my head while I was talking about it, I'm like, well, gee, Bruce, you ought to give the date of the game. And then I realized, well, there is no date for that game. There's no date for any game yet. We don't know anything. <laughs> How do you think they're going to do this? Big Ten scheduling. Are we going to get a schedule 1 through 10 and we're sticking to that? Are we going to get a schedule 1 through 10 with an off week every second week? What would you suggest? Well, we're, uh, we were talking before the show and you mentioned it's, it might have to be some sort of fluid thing. And I agree with I agree with that at least in part because what if 
what is, what happens if uh, a State Department comes out and says we can't play this week? Yeah. High State, Indiana, they're ready to go. And the Bloomington Department of Health says, now, too many Hoosiers have the COVID. Too, too many people with COVID. Yeah, so... I think you're going to see some sort of structure, some sort of like specific, these are the dates for the games preliminarily, but to realistically fit in a uniform season for all the teams, right? Same number of games and Mm -hmm. you play the teams in your division, et cetera, et cetera. It's going to have to be fluid. It's going to have to be, have the leniency to say, all right, um, we can, we have to move this game if there's a big outbreak or something. And, for that reason, too, you might see, I think, a few weeks at the end of the season that are just reserved for postponed games. Like, what if they built that into this game? Why not? Sure. Well, I mean, the, the season traditionally ends the final Saturday in November. So would it be prudent for the conference to move that up to the middle of November? I mean, you got, you got three weeks of non-conference games and Pretty much everybody gets an off week. So you got a month to play with, right? Right. And a month to play with. Okay. So, well, you could say, all right, let's let's end it the first weekend in November. And then we've got time to play with. The problem is, let's say that we get a vaccine in the middle of October. And so everybody gets vaccinated that's playing college football and everybody's good. And you finish the first week in November. And then you're chilling and waiting for the college football playoff in January. You're off two months. That's not good. No, that's, I mean, that's really just the whole nature of this COVID, like, in college football, right? We just, there's always so many unanswered questions, and yet, if you think you have this answer, well, then these issues come up. Yeah. If you have a fluid schedule, here's the issues with that. If you have something set in stone, well, then you don't have the leniency. It's, it's really, there's always... It's always three steps forward, two steps back. That's right. That's right. And I've said this before, uh, somewhat tongue-in-cheek, but not really. This is the year where the athletic directors and the conference commissioners are going to have to show us why they have the jobs they have. I mean, a lot of them have the jobs they have because they're good businessmen. They're managing a multi-million dollar company. Really. I mean, Gene Smith's background, besides football, playing at Notre Dame, is in IBM. You look at the backgrounds of most Big Ten athletic directors, they got some big business experience somewhere on their resume. They wouldn't have the job they have if not. But this year, man, you're going to have to be fluid in leading. You're going to have to be innovative. You're going to have to be flexible. And I don't know. This is a pretty big on-the-job training test for Kevin Warren, the new Big Ten commissioner. Right. Um, the other thing, too, is you talk about training and flexibility. Uh, how do you think it'll affect the power balance just across college football? Because teams are going to be better or worse at handling this, right? Yes, they are. Navigating. Absolutely. I mean, already it's probably made a difference whether teams, whether their players were willing to work at home when the quarantine was going on. What kind of shape do you come back in? Yeah, exactly. How do you think it'll affect the power balance? Well, A, I don't know, but I would assume the power programs have become power programs, they've shown us, because they recruit better, they coach better, they scout better. So if I'm going to pick somebody who's going to 
you know, come out of this kind of fog and differentiate themselves, I'm going to pick the schools that have already shown me they can come out of the fog and differentiate themselves. Although this is a different category to differentiate yourself. Does Clemson have a huge advantage because initially they had like 30 guys test positive for COVID? There were people go, oh my goodness, Clemson, 30 guys. And then there were other people go, well, that's a break. Because if they all test positive now, they won't test positive in January. Herd immunity. Yeah, which we don't know if that's even the case with this. We don't know if you can get it twice. Imagine if we find out you can get it twice. That'll shut everything down. Hope not. We want Big Ten football this year. This is the A Few Good Men on the Big Ten podcast. Make sure you're getting this podcast on your mobile device, and be sure to rate, review, and subscribe by signing up for Landry Football's conference call on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Radio Public. You can also watch this podcast each Monday and Thursday at 10 a.m. Eastern time at the Chris Landry Twitch channel by clicking on twitch.tv backslash Chris Landry football. And we're looking forward to that. Looking forward to hearing from you. We will establish an email address and you can interact with us. They can also chat with us during the show. Correct, Andy? Andy's keeping his eye on that. If you've got a question about something in the Big Ten, hit us with it and we will let you know what our opinion is on that particular story. Um, Let's say we play football, Andy. Let's look at this positively. Yes. We always have guys who leap forward and become either a factor out of nowhere or even though we know about them and we expect them to have an opportunity, they show us so much more than we anticipated. I'd put Justin Fields in that category a year ago. We knew Justin Fields was going to start at quarterback for Ohio State because they had nobody else. We got a little bit of a snippet of him at Georgia as a freshman, as a change of pace quarterback to Jake Fromm. We didn't have any idea this kid was going to go through the entire regular season and the Big Ten championship game and throw one interception and account for as many touchdowns as Dwayne Haskins did the year before. So it's not always guys who we've, it's not like we're coming up with our breakout players as guys we've never heard of. It's Guys who now have an opportunity. He had an opportunity at Ohio State that he didn't get at Georgia, and he made the most of it. There have to be other players across the conference that fit that bill this year. Who would you say fits that bill for you? Uh, my number one guy for that would be Nakia Watson from Wisconsin, I think. Um, obviously, Jonathan Taylor, huge hold, huge shoes to fill. There. Yes. I mean, he did things that I didn't think were possible for a running back in today's college football. I mean, you talk about multiple 2,000-yard mm-hmm. seasons. But um, as far as that classic downhill running, Wisconsin running back, I mean, Wisconsin's known for having huge offensive lines that pave the way, four yards in a cloud of dust, classic ground-and-pound football. And Nakia Watson's 5'11", 230, averaged four and a half yards per carry, backing up um, Taylor last year, mm-hmm. 331 yards rushing. Played in Texas, which, you know, I, I like t- players that come from Texas. They always Good competition, be- man. Good competition. Best competition uh, produces the best players. His team got pretty far in the state playoffs when he was a senior. He rushed for over 1,900 yards as a senior in high school. Sounds like Jonathan Taylor. Yes. Um, bruiser, talk about, again, that classic downhill Wisconsin runner. Break a couple tackles, move the chains consistently. I, he'll really be a player to watch this year. 5'11", 220. So Wisconsin's had bruising backs before. Nobody fits that bill in my mind uh, 
that's that size. Ron Dane was bigger than 220. John Clay was taller than 5'11". But they've had some guys who could pound you. I mean, uh, Monte Ball could pound you. Uh, a much more physical back than people thought. Uh, years ago, Barry Alvarez's first Rose Bowl team had a great one-two punch. Brent Moss was a guy who you could just you couldn't knock Brent Moss down without him getting an extra two or three yards diving forward. Uh, so they, you know, maybe this this kid may sound a little bit like a Corey Clement, uh, but they they always have, and that's been their foundation. Whether it's Barry Alvarez, whether it's Brett Bielema, whether it's Gary Anderson, whether it's Paul Christ, and Gary Anderson was the outlier in that. He was not a guy from that coaching tree, the Alvarez coaching tree. But Paul Chris certainly is from that coaching tree. And Paul Chris likes to pound the football and make use of those big offensive linemen up front. So Nakia Watson, he's ideally positioned to have that kind of a year. Exactly. All right, so on my side of the ledger, I'm going to go to Penn State, which we expect big things from Penn State this year. We expect the game of the year in the Big Ten to be Ohio State at Penn State. We just don't know when it is. And I'm going to go with Jason Awe, a defensive end. Now, I'm going to give you the number on his 40 time, and people are going to say, there's no way a defensive end can run that fast. But the Penn State kids, that's what people said about Saquon Barkley when they first started putting his numbers out there, and they proved to be legit. Jason Awe, a defensive end, Runs a four three three forty four three four three three defensive end. He's in the six five two forty area. That would land. That would land pretty high. That might win the NFL combine. It might, yeah. In certain, can days. you imagine the freak out of uh, NFL coaches if he runs that as a as a rush end? And the thing about Awe, why I pick him is because when you play Penn State. He's not at the top of your scouting report. Micah Parsons is at the top of your scouting report. Right. On the same wavelength, speed-wise, I'm going to the offensive side for Penn State, and I'm picking Journey Brown at running back. Now, you say, well, Journey Brown, yeah, big, tough, big, big, out-of-the-blue pick there, Bruce. He had 800 yards last season. Well, he shared the job with two other guys, right? Noah Kane was a force, and they, they, they rotated backs. I think this year, Journey Brown, who's super fast, super tough, and if you're Penn State, you know, you're not Wisconsin, you don't run the ball like Wisconsin, but do you want to roll with Sean Clifford's passing being your number one thing? I don't think so. I think you want to run the ball and force teams to play the run, and that opens things up for Sean Clifford, Pat Fryermuth, and the other, uh, Fryermuth being a great tight end, and then the other Penn State wide receivers. Yeah, on... On the topic of receiver, too, which I guess I, I will say this about Penn State. I think there were times last year when they were missing that balance on offense. They were. And when having one go-to back would have served them. I think Ohio State last year, they kind of struggled offensively. Clifford went down, and then you had the backup quarterback come in and lead a couple drives in that game. Uh, what was his name? Oh, Le- I forget that. Levis. He was nice. Levis, I think. Yeah, Will Levis, right. Will Levis. And... um. But they, they kind of lacked that running balance on offense when they were playing Ohio State last year, and it cost them in that game. Um, so I think really maybe having an every down back instead of by committee would be better for them, too, if, you, if you're going to, if Journey Brown's going to be the guy. I, I think it's hard to play three. They played three a year ago. I think two, when you have a, a clear one, 
and the two is a change of pace guy. I mean, in my time covering the Big Ten, I've seen that. I mentioned Brent Moss. His his two was Terrell Fletcher. You go into the way back machine back when, you know, Chris Spielman was playing, Michigan State, uh, and George Perlis got to the Rose Bowl. Lorenzo White is the back everybody remembers. Nobody remembers Blake Ezor, but Blake Ezor was a really good change of pace back. J.K. Dobbins at Ohio State last year didn't have that change of pace back. This year at Ohio State, don't we think Master Teague and Trey Sermon are going to be a duo rather than Ohio State riding the one back like they did a year ago? Yeah, I would. Yeah, Sermon would be your every down, and then you put in Teague for like a pick up a yard, a short yardage situation kind of a thing, I would think. We have our first disagreement here on the A Few Good Men in the Big Ten podcast because I am like the world's biggest Master Teague fan, aside from Master Teague's parents. (laughs) My opinion on Master Teague is that he would be an incredible Ohio State running back about a decade ago. When it was what do you think offense. he lacks, Andy Anders? What do you think Master Teague lacks? He's a one-cut back, and the spread offense requires more than one cut. Mm. Okay, okay. Well, if you want scouting insight like that, you can get it here on the A Few Good Men in the Big Ten podcast, and you can also get it the way coaches and scouts look at it by going to LandryFootball.com from high school, college, to the NFL, from recruiting to the NFL draft to free agency, from pregame to postgame film analysis to all the inside scoop on players, teams, coaches, and schemes. LandryFootball.com is your source for all things football, and it's where you can find this podcast as well as how to keep up with all the shows across the Landry Football Network. Everything from high school, college recruiting, and he's going to be our man on recruiting, conference shows, fantasy shows. You fantasy football guy? A little bit, not as uh, not as much. But yeah, a I got bit. a real life, so I can't have a fantasy life. <laughs> uh, film breakdown uh, and everything in the NFL—something for every football fan out there at LandryFootball.com. All right, I'm going back to my list of keep your eye on this guy and giving you Brendan White. Rutgers safety. You say, wait a minute, didn't there used to be a guy play for Ohio State named Brendan White? Yeah, that's the guy. Brendan White has to be, Andy, the first guy in the history of the Big Ten to be Rose Bowl MVP and be unable to get any snaps the following season. Yeah, so what happened with that, Ohio State changed defenses last year, right? They did. They went from... A classic four-three, two high, two cornerback look to still a four-three, but only one high safety, and then you had who was Jordan Fuller? Who was Jordan Fuller? And then three cornerbacks. So Brendan White's strong safety position was taken out of the defense. He was moved to a new position called the bullet, which the never happened. Ranted and raved about <laughs> in the off season, and then never used. Um, <laughs> They were just. They holstered the bullet. They were talking about like. They were like Barney Fife. They kept it in their pocket, the bullet. (laughs) It was like this big key to the defense. And then there were stories. I remember so many stories. I think I even wrote a story. Everybody wrote the bullet story. And um, then during the season, it was like, where is the bullet? Where's the bullet? (laughs) Um, What really happened is that I think Ohio State's Sam linebackers, they weren't as confident in the play of their Sam linebackers to come and cover tight ends. And Big Ten Conference has some great tight ends, always has. Mm-hmm. So they wanted that bullet position, which was going to be Brendan White, to be an athletic player who could both support the run and guard a tight end in pass coverage. Well, Pete Werner turned out to be a great Sam linebacker sure last did. season. He sure did. Surprised the hell out of me because watching him his sophomore year, and Ohio State got a new linebacker coach, so I think that really had an yeah, impact it on it. Um, we, we, we wish you well, Bill Davis, but... Uh... 
just stay wherever you are. Now. <laughs> we're good with uh, we're good with Al Washington. Yes, at, at Ohio State. But um, Pete Warner had a huge breakout year. Proved he could cover those tight ends. Um, in fact, had a couple key cat pass breakups throughout the season covering tight ends. And so the bullet kind of got washed away by the fact that Pete was on the field all the time. And it just left Brendan painted into this corner where his old position didn't exist. Mm-hmm. His new position was no longer necessary. Um, and so, you know, after he went from Rose Bowl MVP to getting garbage time. So he went from Rose Bowl MVP to the Witness Protection Program, pretty much. Pretty much. And so he's looking for playing time because he the kid proved he can play. And Greg Schiano, who was Ohio State's defensive coordinator when Brendan White had his success, and basically Brendan White saved their bacon in the 2018 season. He saved their bacon. Yeah, they couldn't. They couldn't stop anybody. They they had safety issues throughout the year. Finally, they shove him in there against Nebraska. I believe if they hadn't put him in against Nebraska in the horseshoe, I think Nebraska wins that game. They he had twelve tackles. Then he goes out. He's the MVP defensively of the Rose Bowl win over Washington. Then we all kept asking about the bullet, the bullet, the bullet on. And he kept saying, "Oh yeah, the bullet's coming, the bullet's coming." Finally, about six weeks into the season, we just stopped asking about the bullet. (laughs) And Brandon White. Never got on the field, and so Brandon White is looking for a place to play because, as I say, he's proven he can play. Greg Schiano ends up as the head coach at Rutgers. Perfect marriage. There's the coordinator who gave me my run, and so Brandon White to Rutgers. And we're not exactly sure if Brandon White's gotten his waiver or not. There's nothing online, nothing from the Rutgers sites about Brandon White getting his waiver that I can find, but here's the deal, and this is the tragic part of the deal. Brandon White's father is William White, who you may remember as a former Ohio State cornerback, former Detroit Lions cornerback. And William White uh, is courageously battling ALS. And I'm never going to put anything past the NCAA, Andy, but to make Brandon White sit out while William White battles ALS, it would bring great joy to William's life to watch Brandon play. You have update on Brendan there? Is he eligible? I'm, I'm looking through his social media now trying to find. Okay, but we think Brendan's going to be on the field this year, I'm sure. Yeah, I, I think so. So I'm picking Brendan White as a guy who this year. Now listen, Rutgers, he's not going to make the difference. Rutgers not going to get a bowl bid because Brendan White's at the defense. But that's what Greg Schiano has to do. He has to solidify Rutgers one position at a time, baby steps. You plug in good players. You basically, if you're Schiano at Rutgers, you got a worry list that like takes up an entire legal pad, right? <laughs> and I don't mean one page, I mean the pad. Yes. At that position, Shiano can like rip that page off the legal pad, wad it up and throw it in the trash can with Brendan White. But still a lot of other holes there. Obviously. All right. So anybody else that you have? Yeah, breakout player-wise, I would um at Ohio State, I think Garrett Wilson is a receiver to watch this year. Five-star again out of Texas. Texas players seem to be the theme today. Um, Last season, they didn't go to him a whole lot because Ohio State was super deep at receiver. Oh, my goodness. Will probably still be super deep Mm -hmm. at receiver this year. But as a freshman, made some some catches where you just went, oh, my God, how did he catch that? Um, Against Clemson in the playoff game, he had one. He he goes up over a defender, gets hit in midair, brings it in. And he, he was completely horizontal with the yeah. field, about five feet off the ground. Yeah, people thought, there's no way he got his foot in. 
They go to replay. He got a hand down. He got a hand in. Yeah, he didn't get a foot in. He got a hand he in. He reached down and touched the ground in. with his hand. Yeah. It was ridiculous. Um, ha- they used him on fades near the end zone. He scored. He was a great deep threat. He had um, he had a few big catch and runs on crossing routes as well. Mm-hmm. Um, the same way Chris Olave broke out, well, showed that potential as a freshman um, back in 2018, and then this year. This past year broke out in mm-hmm. 2019 as a receiver for Ohio State. And is now going into his junior season, people saying one of the five best receivers in the country probably. Garrett Wilson is kind of on that same trajectory. Um, and he's a sub-4-4 guy. Like I said, incredible deep threat. Had two really big catches against Michigan last year, so he's proven he can do it on the big stages. And the Clemson catch, like we just mentioned. So um, uh, he is, I think... One of the breakout players to watch on Ohio State's No doubt about that. No doubt about that. Now, a word for you who have businesses and you're looking for a place to promote and grow your business or your brand, the listeners to the A Few Good Men on the Big Ten podcast and to all the shows on the Chris Landry Football Network are national, regional, and local. So if you want to promote your business, you want to hit a home run, well, contact us at LandryFootball.com by clicking on Contact Chris or emailing him, Chris at LandryFootball.com. And you know who's smart enough to do that? The fine folks at Hemisphere Coffee Roasters. That's right. You see the sign right there? The official coffee of the A Few Good Men on the Big Ten podcast. You want the best coffee in the world? Do you want, like, uh, your store-bought, grown-in-America coffee? No, of course, Andy. Where's the best coffee? It's, like, from the foreign countries, right? Yes. From your Ethiopia, from Indonesia, from uh, Thailand, and that's... The business model at Hemisphere Coffee Roasters. They have direct relationships with coffee growers around the world, and then you can get the best coffee, known to man, and a lot of repeat customers from the Spielman and Hooley We Tackle Life podcast. And this is the honest truth. Never one time as a listener emailed me and said, hey, you know, the Hemisphere Coffee was just okay. No, what I get is, wow, you're right, that Hemisphere Coffee is the truth. It is absolutely the truth. Order online, HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com, and a special deal for a few good men on the Big Ten listeners. Use the promo code BIG10, in all caps, BIG10, and they'll give you 15% off. HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. Coffee direct from grower. And here's the great part, the growers in these countries, because we're not talking about countries with great GDP, they're impoverished countries, but the growers, because they sell it direct to Hemisphere, get a bigger cut than they do if they go through their governments. So Hemisphere is doing great things for people in the local communities in impoverished countries around the world, and you get the great coffee out of it. Light, medium, dark roast, K-cups, however you want it, they have it. Many, many flavored coffees, HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com, HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. Use the promo code BIG10 in all caps, and you will get 15% off. I said they are the truth. That's a little podcast segue kind of a thing, Andy, because it has come time for us to incorporate into the podcast our friend, Colonel Nathan Jessup. You can't handle the truth. All right, Andy. When we say you can't handle the truth, that means you have an uncomfortable truth for fans of Big Ten football to face. What is your you can't handle the truth moment? Well, um, in the Chicago Tribune, there was a story recently uh, that a few former Northwestern athletes who have 
uh, sons that play football for Northwestern or play sports for Northwestern. Rather, this would be Chris Hinton. Chris right? Hinton, former yes. Northwestern tackle, longtime NFL player, great NFL player, and his wife is accomplished too. I believe she's an attorney, and she was a college athlete. Yes, have said that they are going to pull their uh, their children and other Northwestern parents are being encouraged by them to do the same if the NCAA doesn't enforce uniform protocols for COVID-19. Um, and my the, the truth about this is, as I went over on the last podcast, mm-hmm. it's very hard for the NCAA to legislate anything across college football. They don't have that sort of power. People don't realize always they can make recommendations. They can say... This is how we're going to do this. They can establish the championships. But when it comes to enforcing a uniform procedure or protocol across mm-hmm. anything, it is really not up to the NCAA. So unfortunately, I think it's going to be very hard to see such a uniform protocol from the NCAA. Without. Well, and the other part of that is, Andy, and you're absolutely right, they don't have that authority. It's almost like if you think of it in government terms— when it comes to college basketball, the NCAA rules everything because it's just not as expensive to run a basketball program as it is to run a football program. So you can you can insist on those uniform guidelines. You can't bring uniform guidelines to football. You just can't do it. I've said many times, Ohio State and Rutgers are in the same conference, but they are not in the same league financially. They're not in the same league they're just not. Rutgers professors filed a lawsuit this week against their university for <laughs> moving $100 million from the university's coffers to athletics. That would never happen at Ohio State because Ohio State's athletic program, because of the reach of football, the popularity of football, the cash value of football, it is self-sustaining. The athletics department at Ohio State, they get more sports than any program in the country, but it's self-financed by the success of football. At Rutgers, I mean, they don't have a full stadium. They don't have a 100,000-seat stadium. They don't win. They don't have the clamoring for licensed material. They don't have the clamoring for people to give to the university because, let's face it, winning prompts giving. So you can be in the same conference, but you're not in the same league. Nobody's in uh, maybe Ohio State, Penn State. That's about it when it comes to finances in the Big Ten. So, you know, I think the Hintons are well-intentioned at Northwestern. Yeah. Certainly, you know, their sons play at Michigan and at Stanford, and I understand why they want to uh, have a uniform standard. The thing I quarrel with on the Hinton side is that we talked a bit about Chris Hinton and his success in the National Football League and, and his wife, who's an accomplished attorney. I would imagine economically the Hintons are pretty, pretty well off. And they made the comment that their sons are safer with them than they are at Northwestern playing football. And I believe that's 100% true of the Hintons. But do you believe that's 100% true of every Northwestern football player? That they're safer with their families than they are on campus in Evanston being tested every day and having access to Northwestern's medical people and stuff like that? Well, no, and I'd I'd even expand it further to say, do you think that's the safer option for every player across the country? Plenty Absolutely of people not. Come from, and especially even on Ohio State's team, people come from poor backgrounds 
where really their only way to an education and a better life is football. Yep. And when you send them back into those communities, some of them, uh, it exposes you to certain dangers in general, but especially if you're living in an impoverished neighborhood yeah. in a time like this, there's certainly not going to be the same standards of health, of prevention for the spread of COVID-19. Nutrition, oversight, yes. all those supervision, safety, physical safety, all those kinds of things. I mean, you and I know many Ohio State players over the years who've come out of very tough inner city environments. Yes. And, I mean, they come to Ohio State and it's just like, wow, these people love me, they support me, they care about me, they they put me on a track to where I can either make a living in the National Football League or, I've said this many times, Andy, the two most valuable words on any resume in the state of Ohio are former Buckeye. Yes. You don't have to hit it rich on the football field. You don't have to be a first-round draft pick or whatever. The Columbus business community, the state of Ohio business community, takes care of its own, and it's the same in Ann Arbor. It's the same in State College. It's the same in Madison in Bloomington, in every town in the Big Ten, when you play for the state university, you establish yourself with the alumni base. And if you do things the right way, they're going to find a spot for you, whether you got on the field or not. And so for the Hintons to think that, well, you know, my sons are safer with us. They are, but not everybody at Northwestern is. Not everybody at Purdue is safer with their families. Not everybody at Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State. So I think they were short-sighted. In that now, look, would we we would love to have college football with no player getting COVID, and certainly with no player suffering any kind of serious health consequences. But we cannot remove risk from life, and I view COVID. I think what's going to have to happen in college football this year, Andy, is we're going to have to get to a point where administrators make a decision. Are we playing or are we not playing? Contingencies don't matter. We're playing or we're not. You know, if you're going to go through a season and say, well, you know, we're going to play until we have X percent of players test positive, and then we're going to shut it down. You can't do that. You can't do that. What's one of the things that they always say in football? Next man up, right? It's yes. kind of a thing like, you know what? We'd like to play with this guy this week, but he's got a high ankle sprain. He can't play. You're going to have to decide we're, we're playing or we're not playing. They have to come to grips with the risk. I'm not sure they will. Uh, I think, as you've said before, it's a fluid situation. But uh, to me, uh, you, you can, and I'm not criticizing the Hintons, you can be well-intentioned. And certainly when you're talking about the safety of your sons, you want to be well-intentioned. But I think that their assumption about their sons being safer with them is not true of all players throughout the Big Ten. In fact, I would say it's true of a very small minority of players throughout the Big Ten. So that's Andy's You Can't Handle the Truth. You can't handle the truth! Uh, This is mine. Uh, I've read online numerous stories about uh, the Iowa football program and about Kirk Ferentz, and uh, uh, this uh, is a time where, you know, we have an increased awareness and sensitivity to racial disparities and opportunities in America. That's always a good topic to address. I've read that there's a faction of former Iowa players who are African-American who say that, you know, there were standards that were unfair, they were made to feel uncomfortable or whatever. 
I don't know that. I don't have any knowledge of that in the Iowa football program. But here's what I do know. Kirk Ferentz is a really good man. I've had an opportunity to uh, cover Kirk when they play Ohio State and to be exposed to him over a long period of time, decades. Uh, I've sat down with him at the Big Ten kickoff lunch. He's a former uh, coach of the Cleveland Browns on the offensive line under Bill Belichick and Nick Saban. I've talked to Nick Saban about Kirk Ferentz. I've had some personal interaction with Kirk away from the sport. And I just know he's a good man. I have seen him criticized because his coaching staff is, quote-unquote, too white, or that his coaching staff has too many guys who've been on it too long. Andy, I remember a time where if you had continuity on your coaching staff, that was considered a good thing. I've, I've been around the Big Ten long enough to know that Iowa's put a ton of players into the National Football League, and, and Kirk Ferentz has given a ton of guys opportunities in the National Football League. And I do not believe with any part of me that Kirk Ferentz operated in a way to differentiate between players based upon their race. What I, yeah, what I will say is this. I think it's equal. I, I always believe in best man for the job, regardless mm-hmm. of I don't care if you're white, brown, black, blue, purple. I don't care what your gender is. I don't care. I don't care. What whatever all that is, I always am a big believer of best man for the job. Mm-hmm. And to me, I don't think there was any intentional we're not gonna hire this person, we're not gonna play this person because they're black on his part. Now, could there be a lack of diversity looking through things? Yes, but I think forcing diversity isn't actually honoring anybody. Because if you're just if you're just propping up somebody for the sake of having diversity, isn't that just? I, I feel like it's just having. It's like having a token. Well, that's also. Coach. I mean, it's really reacting based upon a person's race, even if you're doing it in a good way, is not treating everyone equally. And here's one interesting thing about the Big Ten Conference, and I don't know if it's true of every conference, um, but in the Big Ten, you have a great disparity in the local environment of schools. Columbus, Ohio is a much different environment than Bloomington, Indiana, than West Lafayette, Indiana, than Madison, Wisconsin, and certainly than Iowa City, Iowa. I've been to Iowa City, Iowa many, many times, probably 25 times. You don't have to be a genius to walk around Iowa City, Iowa, and know that there are fewer African Americans than there are on a typical walk down High Street in Columbus or on a typical walk down State Street in Ann Arbor. It it's just obvious. It's not a it's not a segregated community. But if you go to Iowa City, Iowa on a recruiting visit and you're African American, you're going to either hear from other players or you're going to pick it up on your own as you go out to scout the town that you are going to be more of a minority in Iowa City than you are going to be more of a minority in Columbus, Ohio. You just are. That is not something Kirk Ferentz can be blamed for. And a lot of these complaints that I hear out of the Iowa players, well, we felt like we were outnumbered. Yes, you are outnumbered because that's just the mix, the racial mix of the city. 
There's nothing Kirk Ferentz can do about that. He's not standing at the borders of Iowa City, like, you know, saying something to keep people away. So I just, I hate to see anyone treated unfairly. And I think it's become very easy now in the climate in our country to take something you don't like or take something you'd like to change and assume that it arrived in the condition it currently is in due to nefarious thinking or prejudice or something like that. And I think you have to be very careful with that, assigning blame to someone because, Andy, if Kirk Ferentz wanted to run a segregated program where he prioritized white players over black players, who would that ultimately end up hurting the most in a profession where you have to win to continue in your job? So there's no way Kirk Ferentz did that, and uh, that is my you-can't-handle-the-truth moment. All right, so we have a big day this Friday. We're waiting to see, you know, walkthroughs can commence, and hopefully we're going to have football. We'll keep you abreast of all the latest here on the A Few Good Men on the Big Ten podcast. Get it on iTunes, get it on Spotify, get it on Google Podcasts, anywhere you find your podcasts, or the easy place to get it is go to chrislandryfootball.com. Watch us on Twitch and interact with us on Twitch as we heat up and all the shows across all platforms, Big 12 shows, fantasy shows, NFL shows. We've got a show on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We've got anything and everything you want. It's a great scouting site, so remember the name, chrislandryfootball.com. It is your landing spot for all things football. Andy and I will be back again at 10 o'clock Eastern time on Monday with the next edition of the A Few Good Men on the Big Ten Podcast. Everybody have a great weekend. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.